Women all over the world, get ready for inspiring and empowering interviews from women at the top of their field who are kicking butt in their business and who are prepared to share shocking revelations from being in the limelight. You are now listening to Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg. Are you looking on expanding your audience through podcasting? Learn how to create, grow, and monetize your podcast. Go to learnpodcastingtoday.com to learn more. Yes, women of the world, let's get started. I am delighted to introduce you our amazing guest for today, Anna Rabinowith. Anna Rabinowith is the founder and designer at Rab Labs. She launched her first home collection for Rab Labs in 2002, creating objects inspired by nature, which fuse ancient precious materials with cutting-edge design. Anna's designs for Rab Labs have been featured in top publications, including the New York Times, Ellie Decor, Architectural Digest, Harper's Bazaar, O Magazine, and New York Magazine. Anna also teaches product designs at the Parsons New School for Design. So women of the world, Miss Anna Rabinowith, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. We are delighted to have you on our show, and I'm sure our listeners as well. So, Anna, I really like what you're doing with your business. You are a success in your own right. You put in the effort, the equity, the knowledge and experience to build a special business you call your own. As a result of that, our listeners really want to get to know you, and I want to provide that conduit, you know, that bridge between you and our listeners. Therefore, here are some cool questions that we can talk about. Feel free to comment anytime, but these are just general questions that I have in mind. So let's start with your business. You know, there might be people out there who want to start one and have no clue how to go about it. Can you tell us more about your business and the idea behind that niche? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a product designer by training, and I've always been really interested in nature and the way that nature can inspire creating designs. So um, on a trip to Yosemite National Park many, many years ago, I came across a very beautiful stone called agate, and I found some pieces in a gift shop, and I brought those pieces home with me, and I put them on my desk. And at the time, I was designing all kinds of other pieces, like medical devices and cell phones and webcams and things like that. But those pieces of stone stayed on my desk, and I kept looking at them and looking at them and looking at them. And I thought to myself, you know, we are so surrounded by electronics in our life, and we're using computers all day long. Like, it seemed to me that all of us, including myself, really needed to inject nature into our lives. So as I thought about those stones, I began to think about ways in which I could use those stones to create products for the home that would surround us and in some ways provide an antidote to technology. And um, as I as I thought about this, I thought, well, I better start asking people about how they feel as well to see if their feelings are the same as mine. So I began to ask people who I thought would be in my target consumer group whether they also felt that they needed this antidote to technology. And they said that they did. And as I showed them prototypes, I saw the way that they began to respond to them. So I felt that there was a need in people that could be fulfilled by creating a company that created products based on nature. 
Wow, I love the story of how your business evolved. And I'm sure our listeners really love that story and they connect with you with what you've just shared that you the design that you have was inspired by nature and now you feel like there is a need for that you feel that need of people wanting to connect with nature by those creative works that you have out there. Wow. Love it. Mm. Now, your business obviously has a vision to be the market leader in your industry, and that resonates very well with a particular portion of our listeners. However, they really like to know what was the compelling vision for your business that continues to drive you towards success day in and day out. Interesting. I mean, you know, I always wanted to start a business. So I always, when I became a product designer or when I thought about looking at programs to study product design, I chose a program at Stanford that was very entrepreneurial in nature because I, I knew in the end that I wanted to build something and grow something on my own, even if I worked for other people along the way, which is wonderful, wonderful training. So I was always thinking about it and thinking about what sort of thing I could do, and I knew it would be in the area of design. And then, as I mentioned, when I was very inspired by those stones, and I, I saw an opportunity, and I thought it would be really interesting. And kind of the deeper I got into the business, the more I realized that it could be something very viable, and um, our products began to catch on. We began with something very, very simple, a set of coasters made of stone. And now we have more than 250 different SKUs or individual product codes. So um, I think it, it began with this spark of an idea, knowing that I wanted to be my own boss um, and knowing that I wanted to build something and really feel like I was building something and then got energy and momentum based on the reaction to those initial designs. Wow, what a compelling vision. And I love what that, the defining moment that you just shared about that it got started with that spark of wanting to have a business of your own and your love for design as well. Now, let's talk about how you prepared for success that turned this vision into a reality. Can you share our listeners some of your personality traits, your top three uh, personal qualities that help you become a successful entrepreneur that our listeners can learn from? Ah, sure. So I think some of the qualities that help me to become an entrepreneur are probably some of the qualities that are that make my husband crazy, but um, they're the sorts of things that work very well in business. Like, for example, um, I'm very tenacious, which can also be interpreted as stubbornness. So it means that um, when something is difficult or when something seems like it's impossible, it's a challenge for me and I don't give up on anything. Um, so very often when I create a design, our manufacturers will say, oh, that's not possible, you know, it's too complicated or whatever it is. And I, I always take that sort of commentary and try to find a way through new designs or new innovations to make things possible, which seem like they're impossible. Um, and, and also that tenacity helps when things go wrong, like when something goes wrong with production or something goes wrong with one of our customers, you know, I and my team will always work very, very hard to turn that around. Um, we'll do anything to, to make our customers happy. Um, maybe the, the second, uh, the second thing that really helps is, and I've learned this over the years, uh, running this business is trying to be as positive as possible and not to worry about the small things to try to see an overall vision of the trajectory of the company and not worry about it when there are tiny little speed bumps along the way. And sometimes those speed bumps have to do with design, like something in the design needing to be changed because it's difficult to produce. But sometimes they have to do with, you know, a setback that we get in which something isn't working the way that we think it's going to be. But 
I think, you know, I've learned to approach things imagining that they're all going to work out and trying not to get, trying to stay calm and trying not to get upset about things when they don't work out right away, knowing that eventually they will. So that kind of positivity and looking for the light in things has been um, a learned lesson and has, has been working really well, uh, especially in the last maybe three or four years. <clears throat> and maybe the last thing I think is um, really a focus on creating a business that's very relational, that's very based on relationships. So everybody that I work with, whether they work in the business with me or whether they, um, they are our customers or whether they are our artisans that we work with in Brazil or whether it is a contractor that we work with who helps with our, our social media or whoever it is, um, try to treat them almost like family. Like we build these relationships in which we care about one another and we are creating a collaboration instead of a one-way relationship. So they work very hard for us. We work very hard for them. We're finding a way in which they can thrive and we can all thrive at the same time. It's a conversation rather than um, something we are telling people to do. So I think all those things have helped helped me and helped the company to become successful. Wow, that being tenacious, being positive and focusing on build on a business that's relational and uh, treating that your uh, clients, your peers, your business, uh, I mean, the staff that you work with as family, huge um, takeaways there that I'm sure our listeners can learn from. So thank you for sharing that. Now, let's talk about what happened when you started your journey as entrepreneur. You know, as entrepreneurs, we face daily challenges that define our being and to get through those challenges takes a very special person and our audience wants to know that special person in you so what have been your biggest challenges and how have you addressed or overcame those barriers to success that a lot of women entrepreneurs face today yeah i think i think the biggest challenges are they're kind of twofold they were right at the beginning of the business in the first few years trying to figure out how to get the business going like what the best ways were to make these relationships with customers with, with excellent scores, um, what the best ways were to make relationships with manufacturers who would do wonderful, high-quality work, um, what the best ways were to make the connections that could help us to build a network of people to really get the business going. So I think it was, it's almost like the operations manager, Janelle and I sometimes have these conversations about, we wish there was a manual that kind of told the story of how to build, you know, a home design business from the very beginning. Like, how do you figure out who to sell your products? Like, do you work with sales reps? Do you bring people in house? Like, how do you create an infrastructure of people when you're really bootstrapping a company and you don't have very much money? Um, that can do the job that you need to have done. So it's almost, it was almost like feeling our way, feeling my way initially about how to begin the business and how to structure it. Um, and that was, I thought, very challenging. It involved just lots of picking up the phone and calling friends and friends of friends and saying, well, how do you do it in your business? And how does it work for you? And can I buy you a cup of coffee? And can we talk about things and, and that sort of stuff? So that was the initial part that was challenging, and I think now we're also in a very challenging phase, which is taking a very small business into uh, to the next level. So taking a small business that has been bootstrapping it for a long time to the level in which there is a proper, you know, infrastructure in place, and we are growing our distribution, and 
we are um, beginning to sell internationally and, you know, really expand our reach and expand our sales and what really needs to be in place and what kind of financing do you have to have in place, et cetera, in order to make all of that possible and happen. So it's, I think it's those transitional moments, getting going, then moving to the next level that have been the most challenging moments. And the way that I get through them is simply asking for advice from the people that I know. And they've been very kind to give it. And now we're very glad in turn to give it when people who are smaller than us ask for it as well. And that's a really beautiful thing too. Yes, and I uh, I totally resonate with the challenges you have just shared because I'm sure our listeners as well. Because uh, when we, st- especially when we start our business, you know, there's a lot to do, you know to learn. There's a lot of things to, that we we need to know and to, we we need to deal with. We need to manage. So I'm sure our listeners out there, who especially for those who are thinking of going to business, know that you know these challenges are going to be there. Uh, but you have to find a way how to deal with them. You know, starting out, you know, especially for especially if you don't have any business background like myself, I didn't know anything about business when I got right. started. So there was a lot of learning curve. But then there are a lot of resources out there that can help you. And like, for example, this uh, podcast that uh, we are doing today, I mean, Hannah and the rest of the other women entrepreneurs who have been on the show have been really selfless in sharing their experience, sharing their stories, sharing what worked for them, these challenges and how, how they overcome them. Because that's one way of our listeners who are aspiring to be entrepreneurs as well to learn from 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 them and this has been really helpful to me as well so thank you for sharing those challenges that you've mentioned and that our listeners can uh, learn from as well oh really absolutely yes anything that we that i can do to help um and i think the one thing i would add too is that you know i started the business with four thousand dollars that's some money i borrowed from my mom and from my boyfriend at the time who is now my husband, thank goodness I was able to, <laughs> that would be funny if he had not become that. But um, but yeah, we started with $4,000. So then the question was, how do we take, you know, $4,000 and, you know, begin to buy materials and spend it in such a way that we can really kick the business off? So it was being very careful about what that $4,000 represented, like buying some stone, hiring a photographer to take a picture of the product, creating postcards and, sending them out, you know, handwritten postcards to all the greatest stores in New York, you know, calling those greatest stores and saying, you know, can I come by and can I bring my samples of my product and show you, you know, but it was, I think it, you know, it's, it, it was, it was definitely a challenge to begin in that way. And I think a lot of women who are starting out or a lot of entrepreneurs in general definitely start out in that kind of phase. So I think it's just being smart initially about how to really maximize what you can get out of your initial investment. Yes, and to be frugal about it. Yeah, I echo that. Now, let's switch yeah, gears exactly. for a l- Yes. I'm sorry, I-, I interrupted with you. What were you about to say? No, no, that was it. Yeah. Okay. So let's switch gears for a little bit and talk about work-life balance. You know, being a business owner myself, maintaining a work-life balance is so crucial to overall success in life. Now, the challenge with entrepreneurs is really how to click on and click off and maintain that work-life balance, particularly if you have a family. Now, in your life as an entrepreneur, how do you maintain this work-life balance? And what are some of the ways that you accomplish this in the areas of your health, your family, your relationships? and your business. Sure. Well, I I think the thing is that, um, you know, people talk a lot about work-life balance, and I think about this a lot. And for for a long time, I thought that maybe work and life were really separate. 
Um, but what I've realized is when you love something the way that you love, the way that I love the business and the way that I love the designs that I work on, there's so much porosity between work and home. Um, you know, I, I love what I do and it kind of flows between my work life and my home life. And I have two small kids. So my daughter, Talia, is um, four and my son, Izzy, is seven. And so, you know, I have an office in San Francisco, but I also have an office in, uh, you know, next to the garage in the back of our house in San Mateo. And it's full of prototypes from all the new designs that I'm working on. And when I work in that back house, my kids come back there and they draw pictures and they brainstorm new designs and they experiment with the materials and the stones and the metal and the glass that I have back there to try to construct things and they tape them together and they're very involved in the creative process. And I think once I realized that there was so much porousness between what I was doing in my work life and what I was doing at home, and I wanted my family to be really involved in that, then things got a lot easier because I realized how much they love being involved and how much they want to know what their mom is doing and how much they, how much I wanted them to know that if I wasn't with them and I was, you know, working, that I was really loving what I was doing and that they should know their mom is really passionate about things and really trying to build something. So, you know, when we do trade shows, like when we do the New York trade show, my kids come to that show and, you know, I remember one moment in which I was taking an order from a very wonderful store in Tokyo, a beautiful store, and my son was maybe like you know, three or four years old, and I was holding him in my arms as I was taking this order from a very formal Japanese store, and he was showing them the prototypes, and I was writing the order, and I just looked down at him, and I thought, like, this is the perfect life, you know, because I have all the things that I love. I have my family, and I have this these designs that I love, and writing this beautiful order with this Japanese store, and it just seemed like it all came together at that moment. That was a few years ago, and I think since then, things have really come together in those ways. Um, the other thing is is that I always make sure that if I'm not working in the back, if I'm working in my my other office, I'm always home by 6 o'clock. So I walk in the door at 6 o'clock, um, and when I walk in the door, all the cell phones are off, all the devices are off. You know, I never answer the phone or do anything like that when I'm with my kids, and not on the weekends either. I don't talk on the phone or you know, really check the internet very much when I'm with them. You know, my time with them is really devoted to them, whatever we're doing together. So I think making that commitment in that way means that when I'm with the family, I'm very with them. Um, and when I'm not with them, I'm very focused on the business. Um, and that's kind of the, the way that it has worked out to create this kind of porous, <laughs> I guess, life balance. Yes, I mean, I, for me, sometimes I, I say work-life balance in an entrepreneur's life is a myth because, yeah, you're right, it really is not work -life, about work-life balance, it's a blending of our working life because we, yeah. yeah, we are so passionate with what we're doing that for us it's no longer work. But at the same time, I echo what you said about really having those times um, separate. I mean, when you are with your family, you be focused, be present with your family, and then when when you are building your business, be present in that time that you are building the business because it's the only way that you can you can have those separate. You can separate those that you can switch off that you can switch your brain off when you are with your family or whatever it is that you're doing at the moment. So this is a challenge for our listeners out there who are thinking of going into business or who are into business. This is about you and how you prioritize your uh, what's important in your life. Because we are this in business to be able to have that kind of life we want to have. So 
make it do it uh, i mean build it around the priorities that you have in life and there are ways to do that and like what chest and have shared those are some ways that you can uh, apply them in your life as well so thank you for sharing that yeah, now let's know i absolutely agree Yes. Now let's talk about success and what success means to you. You know, your business appears to be financially doing well. And with that success flows into other areas in the entrepreneur's life. Now, I would like to also say that success is a mindset. I can have $10 in my pocket, but my mind feels like a millionaire. I feel great about myself and I'm moving forward. The opposite way will be a multi-billionaire and be totally miserable. So am I successful? Financially, yes. Individually, probably not. So in your journey as an entrepreneur, what does success mean to you? And what are some of the benchmarks that you use to measure your success? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think success for me is, is in a lot of different ways. You know, success, for example, is when I start, when I feel that people are really enjoying the designs that I'm creating and I'm hearing about it. So if I, if somebody says to me, oh, I was just at my friend's house and I saw this thing, this beautiful piece, and then I realized your company had produced it. And my friend was saying, talking to me all about it and how much they loved it and enjoyed it and they used it and it was wonderful for them. Like those sorts of moments for me make me feel very successful because I feel like I've created pieces that resonate with people and they make their lives beautiful. And that's the intention of the company. Um, in terms of benchmarking things, you know, for product designers, there are, there are some stores in this country that are, are exciting stores that, that once I was in them, I was, I was always hoping to be in them. And once I was in them, I was very excited. Like, for example, the Museum of Modern Art stores. When I started working with them, I think eight or 10 years ago, um, and they started buying our products. Um, that was very, very exciting. And sometimes I used to go to the, the moment stores and I used to stand behind the columns and watch people interacting with my products and <laughs> see what they did, the way that they touched them, the way that they looked at them, just to see what that was like. Um, and now I think it's, you know, the moment's wonderful. We have a great relationship with them. And I, I think it's other stores like when I, when we first got into Barney's New York, which is a department store or Saks Fifth Avenue or Neiman Marcus or Bergdorf Goodman is another great one too. So Bergdorf um, began carrying our furniture recently and these limited, these big limited edition pieces of furniture. And when I, when I stepped off of, you know, the seventh floor on Bergdorf Goodman, which is like this beautiful, beautiful home design floor. And I saw our giant crystal table there, like sitting in the entry hallway. My heart just, I thought I would like jump on top of a mountain. It was just this unbelievable feeling that, you know, that 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 piece that I had designed was sitting there and on that floor. So that was an amazing moment. Um, I think um, how else to measure success? I mean, success is also, you know, the, the I, I suppose it's financial too because it's the most beautiful thing in the world if you can have those feelings that I just described and also then the business is financially viable. So it's making money and um, we're able to produce more and more of the kinds of pieces that I want to produce and design, you know, really interesting, intricate pieces. So if you can have both, that kind of success, which then leads to monetary success, it's a really, um, it's a, it's a really nice spot to be in. 
Yes, and I love when you said about success is when you feel people are enjoying your creations because after all, at the end of the day, it is what how good we feel with whatever we put out there. You know, when we know that people that people are happy with what we're putting out there, that we are making a difference in other people's life. That's what really is fulfilling and gratifying. But at the same time, we are in business. So uh, the, the tangible goal, like the financial metrics, of course, those are part Part of being in business because that's one of our vehicles to attain whatever it is that we want to achieve in life but at the end of the day it is really how we feel about what we're doing what we are putting out there that's really matters so thank you for sharing your take on that now let's touch upon one of the highlights of our show and that's your advice for other entrepreneurs and those aspiring to be you obviously got some lessons learned under your belt of experience so take it back to the past say you're gonna start all over again as an entrepreneur and you are in a class with other entrepreneurs who are hungry and thirsty for success or even for making that first buck what type of special suggestions or advice and lessons that you learn would you give your fellow entrepreneurs knowing where you came from and where you're headed at? And if you can boil them down to your top three tips or advice, what would those three be? Sure. Well, I think that the most successful businesses that I know are providing things to people that they really need, whether they really need those things emotionally or physically. Um, the people who have started those businesses have understood and found the need in the marketplace. You know, as product designer, I always turn back to the, the human need, but there are also market opportunities too. So, you know, if somebody is kind of going around and they, they see some sort of need, like they see that, you know, we used to do this classic case where my students would go to hospitals and they would observe the doctors and nurses. And they would try to find out what those doctors and nurses needed in order to develop products for them. And so I think if if an entrepreneur or, or somebody who's an aspiring entrepreneur can understand deeply what people need in their lives, and then they can take those sorts of ideas and needs and think about how those match up to what they actually want to be doing with their own lives, so what the entrepreneurs want to be doing, then it's a really perfect match. So part of it is uncovering the human need, like the kind of larger human need, and part of it is uncovering the person's individual need, like what do they want to be spending, you know, 18 hours of their day doing? I'm, I'm taking out the sleeping time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, what do they want to be spending all their time doing? What do they love doing? Do they love working with their hands? Or do they love, you know, creating software? Or do they love, you know, doing whatever, whatever it is? And if, if they can find something that they think they can create that also would really resonate with people, that's when I think it's that perfect, really, really perfect match. Um, so I think it's that, and I think... You know, I think it's also just about listening to your own vision and your own voice and not allowing allowing yourself to get discouraged because things are very discouraging when you begin a business. Um, and I think if you believe in your vision and, you know, you don't need so much advice from other people about whether it's a, a good thing to be doing or not, but you just kind of say, you know what, I think it's a great idea. And I've talked to people who are my potential customers who think it's a great idea so now I'm just going to drive this and I'm going to find a way to do it. And I'm not going to listen to doubt too much. I'm just going to drive it through because I believe I can hear that voice inside myself and I'm listening to it and it's my instinct and I believe it. Um, then I think that's great. Um, the other thing I would say is that um, I would like to talk a little bit about decision making because that, you know, becoming a better decision maker made a really big difference in my business. Um, so I read this wonderful book, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, which I think 
pretty much changed my life in so many different ways. But um, I'm sure you're very familiar with it. But the part that really struck me about it was when Mr. Gladwell spoke about or wrote about um, trusting your instincts, knowing that it's layered on like years and years of experience and, and information and knowledge, um, but trusting your instinct enough that you can make quick decisions. And um, and when I began doing that in the business, I guess around three or four years ago, then things really started to take off. And that kind of dovetails with not not sweating the small stuff, you know, not worrying about tiny details. But it also means like having a very fluid kind of um, view towards making decisions, which is if you make a decision and you believe it to be correct at the moment that you make it, and let's say later you find that it wasn't a great decision, you can always choose to alter that pathway. But if you just sit there and you deliberate about things, as I used to, you know, for ages, for weeks or even months, and you don't do anything, then nothing new can happen. <laughs> Whereas if you actually make the decision but it's the wrong one, at least something has happened, which you can either fix or not fix. So I think, you know, making quick decisions so that other people can react to your decisions and start to put things in motion has been absolutely critical. And that's a, that's a critical thing when you're starting and also when you're in the middle of running a business, too. Wow, huge takeaways there for our listeners as well. I mean, I, I'm like copiously writing here what your advice because those are huge uh, learning, I mean, advice that you've just shared, um, not only for myself, but for our listeners out there. Those are huge takeaways. And I love that you recommend also that Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. That's a really nice uh, resource and a really nice book for our listeners as well to check on. So thank you for being generous in sharing those top three business tips that our listeners can take action on today. Now, what's one favorite business resource that you use in your business that's radically changing the way you do business? Um, I would probably say that Dropbox is the most, has, has had the most effect in the way that we do business because we're always moving large files, like whether they are files for our manufacturers or, for example, if, if a magazine editor wants some images of our products and they need them to be high resolution. A lot of these things can't be emailed. Um, and then another, another reason that Dropbox is fantastic, which is basically a cloud storage application, is that um, some of the people who work for me don't work in the same location as I do. So it allows us to share files really easily. It, it, it serves as basically a drive on everybody's computer. Once we started using it, like really heavily using it about two years ago, it made all the difference in the world. It's incredibly powerful for distributed companies and for moving large blocks of information very, very quickly. Yes, I uh, utilize that one as well. And it really helps um, with being able to communicate with your team to have this place where they can you know, access your files on the cloud or wherever they are. It's really helpful. So that is dropbacks again for our listeners if they want to check that one out. Now, uh, Anna, in my mind, you are a superhero or shall I say superheroine because you have done this, you have done it, but you've also experienced a lot of challenges that our listeners definitely relate. So if you are a superhero, who do you want to be and why? And it doesn't have to be a cartoon character, but can be someone you admire and look up to. Yeah, it's an interesting question. You know, I think I'll answer it in this way, because I actually believe that the one of the most beautiful parts about superheroes is the capes that they wear. And, you know, when I was in graduate school, I, I made this cape out of red satin. It was like a very long, beautiful cape. Made of uh, made of this material that I found in a fabric store, 
And I used to wear that cape whenever I thought that I needed some extra strength. So, for example, if I had to go take a calculus exam or I had to go take a really arduous engineering exam or I had a meeting with a, with a professor who I was a little bit afraid of, I would always wear the cape. And that red cape really served me very, very well. And it, and it gave me that feeling of like strength and power that I probably had inside me anyway, but it just gave me a little bit of extra something. So I would say that the cape is critical to the superheroineness of, of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so familiar with superheroines myself, but I do have a soft spot for Batgirl, who I think is, is um, powerful, but also very quirky. So I've always really loved the way that, you know, that she's been depicted and, um, and, uh, and I identify with her a little bit. Wow. I like uh, how you describe that red cape. I mean, that it symbolizes strength and power. And you know what? I'm a firm believer in, in having those things that represent something because somehow somewhere inside you, you, you know that it does something to you. Maybe it's, I don't know what, what, how you, you, you describe it. It's like uh, something inner in you that, wow, you know that. It's like for me, it, I would call it my, my genie, my own genie. That I know that when mm-hmm. I have this thing in me, I have that power to do something, to be able to surmount whatever it is that I'm going through. So, so it's, it's a symbol of uh, something that, that you can do things and that, you know, that strengthens you or that empowers you. So whatever it is, for you, our listeners out there, that symbolizes that one. Yes, why not? I love it. Right. Now, share Good. our... Li- yeah. I will make you a cape. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that would be awesome. But I you already have your own. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would love that. Now, share our listeners what's the best way that they can connect with you and kind of watch how you grow and succeeding more so that they can serve as an example of our own efforts and so we all can be more than we are today. Well, I would love it if they followed my company, Rab Labs, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, because that's where we post and I post a lot of images of the process of how we create our pieces in Brazil or the way that the business is growing or new designs that I'm working on or all kinds of things like that. So it's a really exciting way to connect with me and to sit and to find out what we're working on next. Yes, and that link again is rablabs.com. That's R-A-B-L-A-B-S.com. And I invite all our listeners to go check the, the, their website and their product, their, their products out there, the, the creative works that Anna had uh, designed. Those the designs that they had, right? It's, they are so beautiful. And I'm sure our listeners can pick uh, whatever they, they, they like because there are a lot of things I like in your designs as well. So that, that link again is rablabs.com. That's R-A-B-L-A-B-S.com. Labs.com. And by the way, for our listeners out there, all the links and the resources that are mentioned on today's podcast will be made available in a beautiful infographic show notes at todaysleadingwomen.com. All you have to do is type in the name Anna Rabinowith on the search bar and it will find it for you. So don't worry if you weren't able to get the link for our listeners who are driving while you're listening to this. I'm going to have them on the show notes. So Anna, thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your time and your inspiring story, your expertise for being a role model to many and for bringing such a positive energy with our listeners today. Women of the world, including me, appreciate and honor you for making our world a better place and we wish you more success in business and in your life. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed it so much and thank you so much for having me on. That was very kind of you.
Podcasting is taking the world by storm. If you are a marketer and not using this platform, your business is missing out on a big opportunity to reach a wider audience. Find out how you can create, grow, and monetize your podcast and take your podcasting skills from novice to experts. Go to learnpodcastingtoday.com now. inspired and empowered to make it happen then take the next step and go get your free guide to the top three iphone apps that these high achieving women use to get things done lightning fast today visit todaysleadingwomen.com slash apps for your free download and we'll see you on the next episode of today's leading women with marie grace berg